0: You praise, god. <laughs> praise god welcome everyone grace and true church we love you Amen. everyone listening elsewhere by any format any time today or in the future we love you we are praying for you as well i'm not going to try to mention all of the cities and countries i meant to because i'll miss out on somebody but we love you all and i do see you yeah. Praise God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us. Thank you for this Christmas season, this time when the world, whether they know it or not, (laughs) whether it's their intention or not, they take a month or six weeks as long as they can to involve in something. That is to celebrate you, Lord Jesus, whether they're celebrating you in their hearts and minds or not. They're still being exposed to you in some way. It's got your name in it, if nothing else. Songs about you and Christians out there and things that will remind them of you. So we'll just take advantage of this opportunity, Lord. Anytime the world wants to set apart a month or two to... Do something in the name of Jesus, no matter what their intent, we'll take advantage of that opportunity, Lord. So we just love you and we thank you for using us and giving us wisdom and opportunities and open doors and windows of opportunity to minister your love and your life in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, what do you guys want for Christmas? You ever hear that? Maybe Santa Claus will bring it to you. That's what I always got because we didn't get stuff and we didn't ask for stuff because frankly, we knew there's no sense in asking. (laughs) You know, some kids just know. They just don't. But it was always if you did, well, maybe Santa Claus will bring it to you. Well, it's easy to get trapped this time of year, folks, into commercialism and uh, ungodly uh, wants and desires uh, of the world, everything in the, the media and corporate America is designed to play on your emotions and uh, <clears throat> things like that. And and we just, uh, I just remember I always mentioned that my Whenever, Anytime I asked my grandmother and my mom what they wanted for birthdays or Christmas or anything, all they said was, just want a little peace. And uh, I guess that was just a saying when they grew up in the old days. But uh, not a bad thing to ask for. But if I knew then what I know now, I would have been able to minister peace to them. Because I know the Prince of Peace. Amen. Amen. Last week, we were talking about praying. And how powerful your prayers are. Amen. How many of you took it to heart or even remember? Yeah. When did I say that the change takes place for those living sacrifices? Is it when you hear it on Sunday? Or when you walk it out on Monday? <laughs> it's Monday when the change actually takes place or when you let that seed be stolen or when you walk out of here, actually. <laughs> the enemy comes when? Immediately to steal the seed of this precious word, which is able to save your soul. Amen. It's a choice. Second, 1 uh, Timothy chapter 2, I administered about. And uh, I'll just... I'll just go there again quickly because it's so so powerful that we miss it, which is not uncommon. We get familiar with scriptures, and we the worst thing can ever happen to a Christian is that they sit in church for forty years and say, "Oh, I already know that." Instead of going like a little child every week, and no matter what the message to be expecting to receive a word from God directly to you and to get excited about it. Amen. If you don't believe that God is ministering in that church home that he called you to, you shouldn't be there. And if you do believe he's speaking there, then he's speaking to you. You need to get excited about that. Second Timothy, or First Timothy chapter 2 sorry, starts off, first of all, he's telling Timothy. He's telling him how to, how to minister, how to be a minister, how to be a pastor. First of all, I urge you that supplication and prayers. First of all, I urge you to pray for everybody. They say all people all people and he goes on to list all those in high positions and so forth and so on kings which be presidents congress and judges and school boards and all that don't you know they need prayer best thing can happen to any of them is that god get a hold of their hearts and that they just decide Mm -hmm. to agree with god but he says pray pray for all people And he he tells you why. So that we could live that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life. Pray for everyone so that you can live in peace. Not only is it a command for you to pray, but it's also insightful in the sense that it's telling you how powerful your prayers are. Your prayers have the ability to cause you to be able to live a life in peace. We're we're relatively blessed in this country. I mean, very blessed in this country. I mean, there are Christians being killed all over the world, stick our heads in the sand or not. You know, there are churches and places where just like this, where they can't even tell each other where they're meeting or the time. The next week, they all go and pray in the Holy Ghost and he tells them where to be and when. And it works. That's a life dependent upon God. Amen. But God loves people. That's why he says pray for all people. Because it says in the fourth verse, he desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth, doesn't he? That's God's will. He's immutable in in the sense that he can't change or mutate something that mute. If we put a mute in this, in the trumpet, it changes the sound. Right? Immutable. Put the I M in front. It's he it can't change anymore. God is immutable in his character. He can change his mind. Not going to change his mind about you if you're in Christ. But people look at the Old Testament. They get all confused. They see the things that happen. And I showed you last week through the story of Jonah that God has always been willing and wanting to be loving and gracious and merciful. That's his heart. That's his nature. He is love. So people get confused. They read things and they... They they take a, a a sentence and they make it into a paragraph. They turn it into a doctrine, and it's all wrong. Jonah, we ministered on Jonah. I'm trying not to. I don't want to elaborate on Jonah because I got much further to go. But Jonah didn't want to go and minister to Nineveh. He went away, ran away from God, and God gave him a ride back over there. And he did pray for this city of 120,000 people, which was the capital of the enemies of the Jewish people. They were ruthless, heartless, godless, bent on conquering the world. And the king lived there. Jonah didn't want to pray for them. Actually, he was told to go there and speak judgment over them. In so many days, this is what's going to happen. He still didn't want to go. And then Jonah 3.10. Jonah 3.10, when God saw that they had repented after he did preach. And they changed. Even the king called for fasting and he got down and put sackcloth and ashes and all that. So they repented when Jonah preached judgment upon them. They turned from their evil way. God relented, which was translated in the Bible 38% of the time in the Old Testament as repented. God changed his mind, which is what repentance is. Which is what he wanted to do. And Jonah said in the fourth chapter, it displeased Jonah exceedingly. Right? Right? He prayed to the Lord and said, oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? That's why I made haste to flee. That's why I ran away instead of going over there to to preach judgment against these people. Because I know that you're gracious God and merciful and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting or repenting from disaster. In other words, I, I knew I'd go and preach judgment and then if they... If they heard me and responded favorably, you, you'd you change your mind and be good to them because you're good. I didn't want you to be good to these bad people. And I know that's how you are because that's just who you are. You're good. I knew it. You see? That's how God has always been. I was watching a. One of them, little something, turn on and fall asleep. Story about Sherpas up there in the Kathmandu or somewhere where they had the avalanche 2015, 2016 base camp was they were killed. At the, I get it, all, all the facts and details, but you know what I'm talking about, that tall mountain everybody likes to go climb. Yeah. There was an earthquake there several years back. People died. Anyway, I saw them. They were interviewing one of the Sherpas that... So some really good men, world standards, had died in that. And this shepherd was saying there were others. And these good guys got killed. He goes, and it changed, it changed my whole mind about God. Because if God is good, then why would he let this happen? So he was angry with God for things he didn't understand. We're perishing for a lack of knowledge. We, what we don't know is killing us. What we don't know is causing us to blame God for the things that the devil is doing in a fallen world. Huh? That's, right. That's why the world needs you. When I first got baptized in the Holy Ghost and began to pray in the Spirit, I started trying to figure it out and decipher it and interpret it. And my wife was helping me. We were typing feverishly. Write down as best we can what I'm saying. And let's try to find that. God spoils the baby Christians. And I tell you what, we did find. One time I was praying for, there were some French priests send out a request for people to pray all over the world for something very specific and very important. I was praying for that in the Spirit. God showed us. Don't even, you don't have to believe me or not. And some other things that He showed me. That I was praying for. And I knew then. Wow. It's so much bigger than me. I'm just a vessel. It's just a conduit. God loves people. Second Peter chapter 3 verses 8 through 10. Says that. God doesn't want anyone to perish. Just like. 1 Timothy 2 says. But Folks. People are perishing, and this is not a dress rehearsal. Yesterday really did end last night, and today is the only day that we're promised with God. 2 Peter 3, verses 8 through 10, do not overlook this one fact, Peter said, beloved, that With the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. Mm -hmm. It's just so interesting that he put that in there. And he says, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness. What they're talking about is his return. They want him to return. They're being fed to the lions. (laughs) Come on. Come on, Jesus. We should all be praying, come Lord Jesus. (laughs) If you can't pray, come Lord Jesus with a pure and and sincere heart, then you're too attached to this world. He's not slow, as some count slowness, but he's patient. Here's, Here's his reasoning. Here's why he hasn't come back yet or sent Jesus back yet. The Father, he's patient toward you, not wishing that anyone should perish, but that all should come to repentance change their minds about the things that dishonor God and turn and agree with God. Come to Jesus. All judgment, judgment from the great white throne judgment, which is not one that you'll have to endure, thank God, will be based on how people handled the Son of God in this life. But, verse 10, the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved in the earth, and the works that are done on it will be exposed. So everything is going to pass through the fire. All the things that we've done, even at the judgment seat of Christ, which is a judgment for rewards. But some of us are going to pass through and everything's going to burn up like hay and stubble. And we're going to walk through and we're going to come out (laughs) smelling like smoke, Paul said. And others will come through with a pile of precious jewels and things. But it all is going to come to an end. Look around. The older you get, the more you realize we're just here for a flicker. Even though we can count on living to 120 If you believe that we have a better covenant with better promises than Moses did, whose natural strength was not abated, nor his eyesight dimmed, We're going to all die, but we don't have to die sick. I believe that. Luke 10, verse 25 through 27. Interesting to me. The story of the Good Samaritan. You familiar with it? This guy comes up and he's like Jesus. He's bragging. People can pride. It can be disguised in so many ways. Sometimes it it looks. It comes to you as humility. Yeah, but it's sort of false humility. What do you tell this guy? Luke chapter ten. I guess I'll go over there. I wasn't going to. Probably. I don't know how far we'll get. We'll just let the Holy Spirit have control of this service. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, let me get in the way, Lord. So, behold, a lawyer. So he's one of the, one of the teachers of the law, one of the Pharisees. He comes and he says, he stood up, you know. <laughs> they like to be seen. The enemy always wants to be seen and heard. <coughs> Nothing wrong with standing. <laughs> Never mind. Stood up to put him to the test. There, now that's that, that's an indication that this was bad. Okay. <laughs> to put Jesus to the test, teacher, what shall I do? What shall I do to inherit eternal life? So right away he's already out of bounds and. Out of line. He said to him, What is written in the law? Jesus answers, Well, I don't know. You tell me. You're the teacher of the law. What's written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, Jesus told him, Okay, that's a good answer. You answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Sam, would you ask. Yeah. I'm thinking about going there myself. Mm-hmm. I mean I don't know. I mean, just look around at first and is see if it's first? see if it's a good idea, but please just Maybe they don't know is what I'm saying. Yeah, I don't think they do. You've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. <clears throat> Has anyone ever done that except for Jesus? Mm-hmm. What the man said that he needed to do? No. So Jesus Jesus told him truthfully, but the fact that no one could do this or had done it, they'd been practicing and trying for 1,500 years under the law. No one had ever done it. That's why Jesus was here. So he said, yeah, well, to go ahead and do that, and you will live. So if anyone could have been perfected by the law, then it would have worked. But he knew nobody could do it. But the guy, he was just he was just going along with the guy because he didn't really want Jesus to tell him anything. He wanted to impress Jesus with what he knew. But he said, desiring to justify himself, he, he didn't stop there. Jesus said, and who is my neighbor? And, no, and he said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? In other words, love your neighbor as yourself. So, so he wants to clarify it because in other words, it's like, well, Not everybody is, I don't have to do it to everybody, do I? You know what, he's starting to reason now. Who is my neighbor? It's everybody, right? But anyway, he asked, who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going, he tells him this story, the Good Samaritan. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers. He stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. He left for dead on the side of the road. Now, by chance, a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. These are both two people that should have stopped and helped him, and the lives that they lived uh, basically were proclaimed that this is the type of person that I am. I'm the type of person that is, uh, I live for God, and neither one of them expressed that in their actions here. But a Samaritan Which of these three do you think proved to be the neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. So in other words, it's always good to do good. And uh, Jesus wasn't prepared to, he hadn't died on the cross yet. He hadn't risen from the dead. And so right now, just let him stay in the law and see what he can do. And and, uh, that's not the point of this, me bringing this up. We could minister on that for a week. But I just want to, I just caught something here. That in the scriptures from 2 Peter, he says. He says that a, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years is like a day. Right? Well, I just, let's just say that Jesus is this good Samaritan. Hmm? And. Let's just say that you are that person left for dead, helpless and hopeless. And let's say that Jesus took you to this inn, this innkeeper, and left you in his custody. And he gave him payment. Two denarii. Nothing's in the Bible by accident, is it? Gave him two denarii and said, it's been this to take care of this man. And when I come back, I'll take care of whatever else. That innkeeper is the Holy Spirit. The one who has been sent here to guide you and help you and to come alongside you, this paraclete to take hold together with you against all the obstacles and the trials and tribulations of this life and guide you through this life to your final destination with your heavenly bridegroom, Jesus Christ. A denarii was a day's wage. Anybody starting to sense the Holy Ghost? He's here bearing witness. I, I know. nevertheless, And you know me, I I know this because I like five so much. That's the number for grace. (laughs) And the, the diary was about 50 bucks. A laborer's day wage. He worked about 300 days a week. Six days a week. He had Sabbath off. Two weeks off for various religious festivals and celebrations. And so he made about fifteen thousand dollars. Five times three, fifteen. And but two denarii. Why did he give him two? If a day is like a thousand years, thousand years like a day. Well, well Jesus, do you know it's coming up on two thousand years now that he's been gone? And so his tab. <laughs> At the end is about about to run out. If you see it this way, this is just this is just something the Lord showed me. You don't have to believe it, but if it was the end times when Paul was writing this stuff and and Luke and all the others, uh, it's. Uh, We've definitely entered into the beginning of birth pain that Jesus talked about in Matthew, huh? It's not a dress rehearsal, folks. It's really going to happen, and sooner than you think. Jesus gave us all authority in the earth. And we need to learn to use that power to pray to the God of mercy and love and forgiveness, so that when you get to heaven, everyone you know, which is what I always ask people if I go to, if I do any street ministry or prison ministry, or if I'm preaching to large congregations or just a few, or if I get to spend time with just a special group of folks. Eventually, I'm going to ask them, listen, just promise me that you'll meet me in heaven. That's what we need to be doing. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I'm trying to make an impact on you as to the importance, the gravity of this situation. Not condemnation, but I want to build you up. I want you to be edified and strengthened. I want you to know who you are and what you have. And the responsibility that comes with it. And you're not to carry the burden alone. Sheep were never meant to carry packs on their back. Jesus said, come to me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Why? Because when you really come to him, you're going to allow him to minister through you. To live through you. To be a blessing through you. You're the conduit. Peace. Peace. We all want a little peace. What does that peace look like that we're craving? <laughs> I mean, is it just the opposite of war when, when when there's no fighting or violence, nobody's arguing? You know, that's a good thing, right? No strife in our midst. That's having peace with others. And I'm sure that that's what Paul was talking about here when he said pray. Uh, but if God is, is sovereign... Everything that happens just that's just God's will. He's going to do whatever He wants, which has been preached in a terrible way to make people think that it makes people hopeless and helpless and just indifferent and complacent, feel like they don't have a part to play. If He's just sovereign, He does whatever He wants to do. Then then why we pray at all? You see, but. Everywhere you look in this Bible, it talks about you do this and I'll do that. You do this and it'll cause this to happen. You sow this and it'll bring this kind of harvest. See, you got a part to play, folks. You can't read the same Bible I do and not believe that. Only way you can not believe that is to go to... No. Just joking. I have lots of cemetery friends seminary I like to provoke people to thought if I was still trying to please man would I be serving Jesus no no I would not <clears throat> if I wasn't serving Jesus I, if this place would be full we'd be having a party Woo. <laughs> I can make it happen. Forgive me, Lord. I don't even know why I joke the way I do. <laughs> God does want us to pray. What about peace on the inside, though? That's something that, you know, we have We have peace in our hearts when we're not worried or upset or angry or fearful. This is, this is something that people may not be able to see on the outside. But it's definitely there a lot of times on the inside. And this is, you know, yeah, we have external things that 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 bug us, but we can we're blessed enough in this country where we can, we can get away from some of that if we need to. But some of that internal stuff we think about all the things that can go wrong. <laughs> Things haven't even happened. Worry, like a rocking chair. Give you something to do. Don't get you nowhere. (laughs) This time of the year, especially, we think about what we need to do, who we need to buy gifts for, what's expected of us. Oh, we got a card from so-and-so. Oh, bring me that. Bring me the envelopes. (laughs) Got to reciprocate. Come on. Not y'all, okay. I don't even... Wasn't for that tree in my living room. I wouldn't even realize it was Christmas right now. I've been with the Lord. And I've been working. (laughs) so Every day is Christmas with me. We don't want anyone to be disappointed though. And that's not a bad thing. But it can be a trap. We put burdens on ourselves. And on others. And. Stress is just a natural byproduct of this wrong-minded lifestyle and (laughs) thinking. And people are just left wanting a little peace. God doesn't want his people to live without peace in their hearts and in their minds. What about peace with God? though? Because without God, there is no peace. Jesus is the prince of peace. And when Adam and Eve started out in the garden, they had peace with God. They walked with him. They talked with him. And he told them they were his own. And the joy they shared as they tarried there. None other had ever known. That was a fact eh? (laughs) then. But they threw it all away when they put their trust in Satan instead of God's word. We all know that. Not condemning anyone. I listen. Have enough trouble just watching people talk about what they would have done two thousand years ago or two hundred years ago and just seeing knowing with certainty. It's like you don't know what you would have done. And now you just want to judge everybody for things done in different cultures and different times, and you need to you need to read this and get the exegesis out of it for every aspect. Revelatory, messianic, historical. But God provided a way back, didn't he? He wanted us to come back because there was nothing we were stuck on for. Father, Son, Holy Ghost, creation into which entered corruption. We were stuck on for, thank God for redemption or grace. Amen. Amen. Came through Jesus. Isaiah 57, 21 says, there's no peace for the wicked. I heard my mom and grandma say that a thousand times. But God wanted to restore that peace we had with him. And so he promised to send a savior and restore that peace. No rest for the wicked. Who are the wicked? Who were the wicked? We, this, this is something that people need to come to, to terms with. The facts. You see, we can have lofty opinions. I don't know anyone that doesn't have some lofty opinions. What is that? Something you've decided to believe or think that doesn't agree with God. It's opposed to what God says. And you're like, well, that's just how I... Oh, I'm sorry. You're wrong. You need to repent. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. You see, so if you're starting from the basis of all people are basically good, then you're already wrong. You know, if you, if you start from a, from a wrong foundation, you can't expect to build anything solid. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Desperately wicked. You know that word in the Old Testament. That's a Hebrew word that wicked. That's that's a word for sick. What's the significance of that? And I said who can know it? Because in Mark 2.17. Jesus said it's not the healthy one that needs the doctor. But the sick. The wicked. I've not come to call the righteous but sinners. You see there were some there. Proclaiming to be righteous. They were. They were. Get, they were mocking him and criticizing him for ministering to sinners. And really, what he said made them think, "Oh, well, he's just being a good man. We can't really mock that because he's not criticizing us. Because he knows that we're the righteous, we're the healthy ones, and they are—they're the ones that need his help." He was, but basically, he knew. That they were all wicked. All had sick hearts. And they all needed him. They didn't know that. They should have. Romans 3 tells us that we are justified by faith in Jesus Christ. Doesn't it? Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Right standing with God comes through Jesus Christ. For all those who believe. For there is no distinction. God's no respecter of persons. In other words, no one is more valuable to him than anyone else. One soul is worth more than this whole world to him. And he's going to burn it all up to prove it. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we're all in that same sinking boat without Jesus. Being justified just as if I'd never sinned as a gift, as a gift by his grace. Through the redemption, which is in Christ Jesus. And that brings us to this wonderful time of year. Christmas. The coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Lord threw me off this morning. He threw me a curve. I'm trying to... so now we're living in the most dangerous time in human history yep do you think that's a fair statement Satan's trying to steal an entire generation from us Mm -hmm. yeah and the destruction of an entire civilization that was founded on godly principles and ideals is at hand And, and, and this is just simply the struggle between good and evil Right. okay hadn't lost anyone yet And we know we win and end. It all ends in a final battle near Jerusalem. (laughs) Yeah. Right? When God's really going to show his power. The Savior that God promised, obviously, is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God fulfilled his promise when he sent Jesus, his Son, to earth. The prophet Isaiah called Jesus. The Prince of Peace. Yeah. In Isaiah 9 6. So anyone who puts their trust in Jesus is made right with God and their peace with God is restored. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men, not amongst men, between God and man. You see, that vertical part of the cross. Acts 10, 36, there's peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. So I love it. Jesus is the reason for the season. You can cross that out. Jesus is the reason for everything good. Amen. (laughs) So we have peace with God through Jesus. But now we need to learn to allow that peace. But you can't separate from him. So say allow Jesus to manifest in our lives. To live through us. That's the whole, whole thing. is we are being changed. Conformed to his likeness. In our soulish realm. Because our spirit is already there. You have the mind of Christ. You just have to draw on it. All the love, joy and peace and healing. and All those other wonderful things. That are part of our inheritance. are already there. We just have to learn how to. Draw from that well, Amen. And so, I just what did I just skipped about a whole message? Aren't you happy? <laughs> because I'm trying to get to something. Because Jesus gave us a gift on that faithful night. Faithful night. I say that a lot, and sometimes it sounds like faithful night because I. Slur a little bit, but it's fateful night, the night when everything went down, (laughs) the Last Supper, the Garden of Gethsemane, the mock trials, all that. On that night, he told his disciples, I give you something, I'm going to give you a personal, I want to give you something of my own. I told you about everything, the Holy Spirit coming, I taught you about the kingdom, about my father, and all these wonderful things, and I want to give you something of my own. Here's a present, and it's my peace. The peace that you've witnessed. You saw me sleeping in the back of the boat in the hurricane and got up and told it to chill and it did. You can have that peace and I'm giving it to you as a gift. John 14, 27. Peace I give to you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give unto you. Thank you, Jesus. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. There again is your part. Your part of faith. Because fear is the opposite of faith. When I return, will I even find Hey, that's what he's looking for then. Does that mean he's going to be looking for it, right? (laughs) That means he wants, he expects it, he hopes it for us, right? Mm -hmm. John 10.10, the enemy, the devil, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. This is foundational in real New Testament, new third great awakening, powerful anointed ministry and ministers and churches, huh? Good God, bad devil. Good God, bad devil, huh, Maddie? It's that simple. Jesus is good. The devil is bad, huh? A lot. The enemy comes to steal your peace, your life. Jesus wants you to have life and that abundantly, huh? So I'm just going to, I'm just going to just, just give you Few little things. First of all, James 4 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he might. He oh, he will. will. Not he might. I thought we just never know. You just never know. God works in mysterious. There's a promise right there. You submit yourself to that that part people leave out. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. What about that first part? Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. There's a promise, a guarantee from God. Take it to the bank. Huh? Thank God. You know, there's a story about a little Jewish girl and Luke chapter 1. Look at the 38th verse. Pretty sure. We okay? Lord speaking. Amen. I'm gonna listen to this tomorrow. And if I get goosebumps, I know it wasn't me. And I do every week. Amen. Amen. I don't want it to be me. That's why it's not, because I prayed, Lord, I ain't doing this. If, I, if you're not going ahead of me and with me and with me all the time, I don't want it to be me. Not to say I don't slide in some of my flesh from time to time, but I pray that your ears are stopped up to that part. Pray for me. Amen. I love Jesus and he loves me and he wants to use me to help you guys to grow in the grace of God. And knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ and to grow you up for the work of the ministry. That's what the fivefold ministry is for. Not to do it all, but to to help y'all do it all. You're powerful. And I thank God just to be associated with you. Mark Luke one thirty eight. Gabriel had come and told Elizabeth she was going to have a baby, John the Baptist. She was old. Her husband said the wrong thing. So he had to shut up for about six months, nine months, whatever. I don't know how long it was. Gabriel came and talked to this little Jewish girl, Mary. Told her all this was going to happen to her. She was going to have the son of God. She asked a question, which was fair. How is this going to happen since I have not known a man in that way yet? She was engaged. And he told her, I don't want to get into it too much because we'll be talking more about these things. But he said, for nothing will be impossible with God. He explained what was going to happen. He said, the Holy Ghost is going to come upon you. and In other words, the word, all the prophecies spoken about the coming Savior, the word of God was implanted into her womb and it bore fruit. She was impregnated with God's word and the word of God became flesh. But he said for nothing will be impossible with God. And you know what she said? In that childlike faith. Okay. Oh Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed. That's all it took. If she would have said, No way, dude. Not me. Ain't happening. Uh -uh." Uh-uh. The Catholics wouldn't be praying to Mary today. It would be to Jane or somebody else. I'm not poking fun today, I love Lord help them all to see the truth. She can't hear them. That's all I'm saying. But thank God. The greatest things. That ever happened in human history. Were done through women. And that little. Jewish girl was one of the bravest of all. Why? She just submitted her will to God. Childlike faith. Okay. Okay. I'm your servant. Let it be unto me as you say. Your will be done, Father. We pray for God's will to be done. Then when it is, we complain, cry, and moan. But thank God for that little Jewish girl submitting to the Lord because that's one of the things. Have you submitted your life to God? Which part? You submitted your eternal destiny to him. Everybody in this room is saved. I'm not the judge, but I really believe that. Thank God you, you submitted your eternal destiny to Jesus Christ. But what about this life? So many compartments in our lives. Hmm? Which parts have you submitted to God? <laughs> Submit to God, because we're talking about resisting the devil in this, the most dangerous times in world history especially for Christians, and it's going to get worse. You need to be strong as horseradish. You need to walk in power and victory and love, anointed and adorned with all the gifts of the Spirit. When you come against false Christianity and false doctrines and things, throw down your rod, I'll throw down mine, and we'll just see who God has approved. You want to walk away with the bigger, fatter stick (laughs) that gobbled up the others. Amen. Some of you will get that later. (laughs) Which parts of your life? Your life? Your whole life? Relationships? Let's just break it down a little bit. Your relationships? Your marriage? Your work? Your finances? Jesus said, if you don't understand the law of sowing and reaping, this is the least, this is the smallest thing. If you if you if you're not submitted in that area, you're not going to understand anything I say. So how can I look at someone who doesn't even understand the principles of sowing and reaping? And I'm not I'm not getting on to anyone. I don't even want you to do it until you have a revelation of it. But if you're not praying about a revelation of it from God, then you're not doing yourself any favors because he will show you. And what he does, this is one of the wonder, most wonderful places. I, even, I don't want this to sound self-serving. I, don't, I care about you. This is one of the places in the Bible where God says, test me, try me on this. Test me and see if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing so big you can't even handle it. So I encourage you to submit every area of your life to God. If he has you, he has everything. He has your work. He has your marriage. He has your life. But he don't have all of all of us. And and, and, and none of us does he have all of us submitted. And that's just unfortunate. Our health needs to be submitted to him. The areas that we aren't submitted to To God, these are areas where we leave open doors of opportunity for the enemy to come in and eat our lunch and pop the bag. That's why I'm laboring on this. Not to make anyone feel bad, but just to help you do a checkup from the neck up. (laughs) Me too, amen. And... It requires repentance. I just, God can change his mind. So can you. <laughs> he has a soul as well. And all that is, we, we think of repentance as just turning from sin because in, in Christian circles, that's what so what it's often referring to and about. But it's just a change of in mind that... Produces a change in actions regarding the things of God or something regarding God. A certain aspect, a compartment of your life that you didn't have submitted to him. Or you had a lofty opinion, imagination or something that you didn't let the word of God interfere with what you wanted to believe. Or you talked yourself into. People are really good at talking themselves into something where God has made an exception for them, because he understands them. And he knows what they're going through and he gets me and we're cool. Don't be deceived, folks. God is not mocked. You need to put, you know, he comes. This little foxes that spoil the vine. The Lord is telling me the little foxes. You think, I don't have any really big things in my life. It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. The enemy comes, he, he will be very subtle, especially if he knows you're on the watch for him because you've, 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 you're strengthening, you, you, you're working out those spiritual muscles and now you're starting to learn, good God, bad devil, I'm on the watch. I'm not going to let him and he sees that. And so he'll come very subtly sometimes. He'll just make you discontented in a certain areas of your life. Just Discontentment, just just uh, frustration. Oh, offenses, offenses. Oh, I forgive them, but what? Now, now is where I'm listening. Everything you say after that, but, is what you really believe. Oh, I forgive them, but but you haven't talked to them or returned their calls or. You walk the other direction. You haven't forgiven that person. How come every time I see you, you tell me about what they did to you? But I forgive them. I love them. God bless them. I'm praying for them. No, you're not. You're sounding religious and you're walking in bitterness and unforgiveness. And I'm not trying to pick on anybody. I'm trying to help you close some doors on the devil's face. Little pains in our body. Ah, it's just my shoulder. This little thing in my shoulder ain't no big deal. People come pray. Well, what is it? Well, I got this and this and this and my knee and my neck and my and this and that. But if God will just fix this one thing, I, I'm, I'm cool with the rest. You know, I can handle it. How dumb? You think if he fixes it all, it's just going to, the lights in heaven are going to dim? <laughs> Too taxing? I'm just saying Things we allow. And then they get, you know, ah, starting to wake me up in the night. Dang. I ah, just, just put something it on. Oh, it's no big deal. can handle that. Why? Why not just jump on it, Rebuke it in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Resist the devil. We need the word of God, folks. This, the word of God. That's why I told Joshua, do not let this word depart from your eyes. The word of God is the will of God, the power of God, the promises of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And if faith is essential to you reaching out, if faith is the hand that reaches out and obtains the things provided by grace, then we need faith, which comes by this word. So we got to be getting this on the inside of us. Whatever it is, you have to find a way and everybody's different. Not everybody's going to get up at 4.30 in the morning and go and 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 read 10 chapters of the Bible. You're just not going to do it. It's not my preferred method either. But I'm constantly with the Lord in one way or another. I'm listening. I'm reading. I'm listening to anointed messages. And you got to be careful, too. Don't just listen to any sermon. Reinhard Bonnke used to make fun. I was with him one day, and he started making fun of all these preachers. He said, some of you just crouch potatoes. Mm -hmm. Talking about the crouches when they had, you know, TBN, and and they just listened to that all day. One preacher after another, after another, after another, and half of them saying different things. You know what I mean? (laughs) And I'm not against anyone, again. But believe me, there are... There are ministries and messages and churches and denominations and all sorts of things that are going to teach. They're basically dead. They're dead churches. They're dead ministries. They're dead doctrines. What we need to be listening to is someone who knows, that has a revelation of the new man. And they're preaching to you about who you are and what you have in Christ, your authority. The promises of God, how to obtain the promises and and make them manifest in your life. That's what we're after. Otherwise, it's dead. If the Holy Ghost is not a part, and listen, you need the Holy Ghost. But you need the Word of God inside of you. The Word of God, why? Is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, even able to divide spirit and soul. Why is that a big deal? Because it's hard for us to do. Sometimes we don't know what's our flesh and what's God. It's just the truth. And this is how we know. When you're bouncing everything off of, through new covenant lenses of grace, everything off of the truth of God's word, then it helps you to discern, hey, that's just my flesh. Because it doesn't add up with the word of God. Or, I've been praying about this for days. My heart is pure. I've prayed. I believe I have what I prayed for when I prayed. I went and I forgave everyone. I I'm pure and I still have this desire in me. It's God. Huh? And the Bible says in Isaiah fifty four seventeen no weapon formed against you will prosper, and every tongue rising up against you, you shall condemn. You shall condemn. No weapon formed against you will prosper. What is the weapons that formed against you? Things of the enemy. Sickness, strife, poverty. None of those things are of God. When you recognize them, nip it in the bud. Charge. There's no armor from God in Ephesians chapter 6 for your back. You're not doing it in your own strength. Don't be like the sons of Sceva who got their butts whooped and had had to run away naked from fighting that demon in their own strength. He said, I know Paul and I know Jesus, but who are you? (laughs) So funny. Oh, Lord, don't ever let that be us. (laughs) But we have a part to play. We have to resist. We have to rebuke that devil. You ever have a lofty opinion or something? You need to cast down those imaginations. A lofty opinion, just something that you that you've decided that that's what you believe. Just remember that you do have some of those things, and if it doesn't agree with God, you know, just say, Lord. That's sort of a pet of mine. I don't want to let it go. I don't want to. I know I've heard it, but I just go la, la 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 every time I hear that because it's something that I've grown attached to. It's a way of thinking, a way of being. It comforts me, it helps me, it helps me to get along with someone. There's lots of reasons to have these lofty opinions or imaginations that are not evil. But if they don't agree with God, you need to submit it to God and just let him help you with it. Because he is a positive ministry of the Holy Spirit. He's not going to harm you. He's going to say, Trust me in this and let me show you. I'm going to walk you through this easily and I'm going to, we'll go step by step. I'll stick with you as long as it takes, as long as you're serious about it. You know what I mean? He's like that. Awesome and good. You need to pray in the spirit, folks. Word of God, put it in. Listen to it. Read it. Read it out loud. Comes by hearing the word of God. You see? Listen to my messages. I got. <laughs> you can listen to my messages now for two weeks straight, I think, without ever turning it off, and you'll never end. And they're all free. <laughs> listen to someone you can hear that is anointed and, and preaches the truth and pre- preaches victory and power and love. Mm, yeah. Pray in the Spirit. If you haven't been baptized in the Holy Ghost, folks, and pray in the Spirit, you need to. Do you have to to go to heaven? No, not saying that. Never, ever, ever said that. I, I know ministers that say that, <laughs> but I believe they're wrong. When Thomas said, "My Lord and my God," he was saved right there. But then Jesus said, "Y'all don't go try to minister in my name until you receive the promise. The power will come upon you when the Holy Ghost comes." And they, they, they were well prepared to minister in his name, but they didn't have any power. And they needed the same power that Jesus received when that dove came and lit on him. You see, like a dove when he was baptized in water, but also in the Holy Ghost at the same time. All he had, he set aside all of his kingly, godly privileges when he came here to be like us. So he could be qualified to be a kinsman redeemer like us in order to redeem us. So all he had going for him... It's everything that you have at your disposal too. The Holy Ghost, the Word of God, which you have more of now. Of course, He was the Word of God. <laughs> Pray in the Spirit. Jude 20. There's only one chapter, one page. It says, build yourself up in the most holy faith. Pray in the Holy Ghost all the time. <laughs> Always praying in the Holy Spirit. It builds you up in your most holy faith, which is what's Jesus looking for when he returns? Faith. You want to be built up in faith and in love. It builds you up in love. I could read all the things about the Holy Ghost. Paul said, I pray in tongues more than any of you. I I hope all of you do. Don't forbid it. He was just trying to get things in order because they were a bunch of immature babies, and they were all doing it at the same time and freaking people out that didn't know, you know. So he was getting things in order, but he wasn't throwing baby out with the bathwater. He said, "I pray a ton more than all of you, and I want you all to." When you pray, when you ever know not don't know what to pray? Oh, just me, because I have that problem every day. I know a lot of good things to pray for, but I don't know everything to pray for. I don't even know what I need that God knows. All the time. I know a lot of time what I want. But I want. I, I, how, how many of you just come to the play? I want everything that God has for me. All of it. And nothing else. If that's your true prayer. Then pray in the spirit. You're praying the direct will of God. You are praising God. You are keeping yourself built up in your most holy faith. And in love. And. Like I told you earlier, you're praying for other people that you don't even know about and brother things. And what you make happen for someone else, God will. Have you ever read this? Make happen for you. OK, I know you have. I'm not. I'm sorry. I'm almost, a lot of you know it better than I do. I'm almost done. Fill yourself with the word. Pray in the spirit. Listen to the word faith comes by hearing hearing by the word rebuke the devil you do have a part to play to do this correctly too cuz i don't want you to just go around looking for a demon on every doorknob you need to you need to magnify the lord a lot more than you magnify the devil because you'll end up doing things you shouldn't and inviting the enemy to come be a part of your life. He says, I mean, the devil is basically looking for legal rights to do things. And if he's like, Lord, he talks to me a lot more than he talks to you, think about it. So you need to do it right. And um, you need one thing, the, the word. You need second thing, pray in the spirit. You need to... Listen to the word. So you need to be filled so that you're walking after the spirit instead of after the flesh. And then you're qualified to begin to rebuke the devil. Does that make sense? Or you're a lot better suited to, I should say. Because the devil isn't afraid of an uncommitted Christian. You see? And a lot of people have just enough theology to be dangerous. And sometimes to themselves. So you need to be filled with the word, listening to the word, praying in the spirit, build yourself up in your most holy faith and in love. And then begin, rebuke the devil, because he knows if, if you know your authority or not. You see, he doesn't want you to know who you are and what you have in Christ. That way he can use you to do some creating for him because you're a tremendously creative being. You're your father's child and he created everything you know with his words and you can do the same. You're creating your future with your words today. And the devil wants you to do some creating for him because he can't create anything. He needs a vessel. That's why when when uh, when Jesus cast that legion of demons out of that man, they begged to go and just in, even to the herd of pigs. Because a pig has more authority than a demon does without a vessel Uh, An earth suit of some kind, you see. Am I making sense? Okay. Otherwise, you just... A lot of people would just begin to rebuke rebuke the devil and it's just sort of religious rhetoric. It's just a religious act. Rote, R-O-T-E. I've talked about a few weeks ago. It's just religious practices and traditions and things that aren't powerful. You're just parroting what you think you should be saying it's not necessarily bad but if the enemy knows he don't even know what he's talking about he's not scared of you if he knows you're not standing strong in authority and know your identity then he's not really concerned about you the last thing i'll mention i'm closing right here is just just do what you can to be around like-minded believers and this is a hard one folks this is a hard one um Sometimes your friends just aren't your friends. I, I minister to people about this more than anything else because it's such a sticky subject and it's so intertwined and everything. And 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 what I have to make clear to people, first of all, every time is I'm not telling you to throw anybody away. Don't ever throw anybody away. But sometimes it's not good for you to be around that person right now. I can use drastic things like, you know, the thief that's on heroin, you know, that's your loved one and, and you just can't let them in your house right now. They can't even know where you live. Right. Yeah. You know, because that's a that's a that's an easy example. But there are other situations where you just have to be praying and you have to know, look, this is are you having more of an influence on them for God than they are you for the world. Do they want to talk to you? So because they know you're the friend, they can call and and, and gossip. And criticize and talk about the negative things, man. That is not healthy. That is not healthy. So be around like-minded believers. They say you're going to be like the five people that you that have the most influence on you, or that you're around the most. And I don't really necessarily really agree with that because of, think you know, I, I'm not one that believes that technology is all bad. Mm. Thank God for technology because it's like now you can have I have, I have relationships with some of the what well, I consider the greatest ministers in the world. And I don't get to see them that often, but I get to be with them and in, in, in uh, meetings on, you know, online and talk to them on the phone and, you know, things like that. I pick up the phone, you know, God will give you those divine connections if you pray for them. And you'll just know that you know, hey, this is, this is, um, God put this together. This person is always going to point me back to Jesus. Always going to point me back to the word. Always, whatever's bothering me. See, because sometimes you just shouldn't keep your own counsel when you're in the midst of the storm. You need that, you need somebody who isn't in it. That armchair quarterback who loves the Lord and loves you. And said, hold, hold, wait a minute. Hold on. Let's, I'm so sorry that you're going through this. Let's, let's pray. Let's pray because God loves you and let's pray for this person now. Let's let's get our heart pure. Let's let's forgive everybody. And let's just trust God. The devil, the devil has been caught. The devil's been caught here now with his pants down, and he's gonna have to return sevenfold everything he's taken. God's gonna be the one that causes the good things to come. We don't know how that all plays out, but we know it caused the devil to suffer. <laughs> And you're going to get multiplied back to you as long as your heart is pure, you know, and you trust God. Submit yourselves to God. Amen. Amen. You blessed today? You know God loves you? Are we growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus? We're going to hold on to that seed of the word and let it take root and bear fruit. Help others with the same help we received. Amen? Amen. Merry Christmas to you all. Love you. Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful day in the Lord. We just thank you, Lord, that we've been able to come here and and just worship you and just celebrate you and to be together, your children, Lord, just just learning of you and growing in the grace and knowledge of our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are with us and you're helping us and and guiding us and loving on us through this life and, and taking a hold together with us. Uh, with against every obstacle and challenge and mountain of adversity that comes against us in this life and that you love us. You'll never leave us or forsake us, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, that you are right there at the right hand of the Father interceding for us and that you love us and that you, you just want everything good for us and you have a perfect plan for our lives. So we just choose to submit our lives to you and we just publicly saying right now, Lord, that we just want everything that you have for us, holy God, and nothing less and nothing more. In Jesus' name, if that's your prayer, say amen. 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 Praise God. Give God a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah.